Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. We come to chapter number 17, and we read of a Babylonian mother and a Babylonian monster. There's two, two things here, a woman and a, and a beast. Chapter number 17, verse number one, and there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, come hither, I will show, thee, show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stone and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness, and of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So as John saw this, the first six verses of this chapter, imagine seeing what he just saw. He saw this this woman, this woman that is sitting upon this beast. It seems, it seems in the beginning as John is reading this, it seems like there's a great relationship here with this woman and this beast, and it seems like there's a great victory. There's great rejoicing. The Bible tells us this as, as he is viewing this, the, the, uh, the woman that's there is sitting upon this, this scarlet-colored beast, and, and they're blaspheming God's name, but that the kings of the earth are worshiping her, and the people are worshiping her, and, and the one that looks like they're losing are the ones that are followers, the ones that have been killed for following and trusting Jesus Christ. These first six verses, it seems like the beast is one. It seems like the, she is, she is, uh, this woman is uh, celebrating the death of all these martyrs of the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems like there's great victory for the beast and the woman here in these first six verses. And John, as he sees that, he says he's, he's enamored by what he sees. He's perplexed by what he sees. Because does the beast win? Does the, does the martyrs, these that have given their lives for Jesus Christ, is it, is it over? Is there a great celebration? The beauty that we'll read about in chapter number 17, it's beautiful outside, but it's ugly inside. There's great, there's great beauty. It, it's such great beauty that the world is going to follow this, this woman, the world is going to fornicate themselves and, 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 and follow after whatever this beautiful woman says. The world, the kings of the world and the people of the world are going to follow. But I want you to see this. There are some that are not going to follow and Those are the ones that are saving themselves for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
there's a beast. So there's this woman we find in chapter 17, and there's this beast. This beast is the Antichrist. The Antichrist, I believe, is lurking in shadows and is just waiting to dominate this world. I believe we're closer to this time than we've ever been in history. I, I truly believe that we are probably going to see it in our lifetime. I'm, I'm praying that the Lord Jesus Christ will come for his church, for his bride. We're, we're, we're in the great tribulation here in chapter 17. The church has been raptured that we find, and, and uh, John is, is going back and forth. John is showing us what's happening in heaven, and he's showing us what's happening on earth. We just found that John is, is showing us there's uh, uh, these seven angels with these seven vials are coming out of the temple of heaven. He shows us a view of heaven, and he tells us that these seven angels then pour out those vials of wrath upon the earth. That's the, the great tribulation toward the end of the tribulation, that great tribulation where God pours his judgment out upon this world. And one of those seven angels, one of those seven angels with that seven vials comes to John and says, John, there's something else that I want to show you. John, John then begins to see these events that are happening here upon this earth. And he shows John this woman, this woman. And who is this woman? Chapter number 17 is a, uh, is a very interesting chapter that we'll find here. And I want you to see, first of all, I want you to see the, the character, the mysterious character of this woman that we'll find. This, this mysterious woman is going to represent an apostate and worldwide religion. This woman is going to illustrate and represent here a false church. The world, is going to, the world is going to follow after the Antichrist. There's going to be a one-world religion. There's going to be a one-world economy. We can see it in our generation today. There's a call for globalism. There's a call for unity. There's a call for, 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 for all the nations of the world. No more borders. No more uh, nations. Everyone is just all the same. And, and we're a one-world. There's a call for this. But there's also a call during this time for one religion. You see, Satan's not opposed to religion. What Satan is opposed to is you worshiping God. Satan's not opposed to religion because Satan wants worship. But God, his desire is for us to stay pure, to stay clean. There's words that uh, uh, in, in chapter number 17, we hear this great whore, we hear of this word fornication. This is spiritual application to, to religion. This is one that is going to, to, to fornicate herself or, or, or uh, give herself so that people would just worship her instead of worshiping the one true God. In James chapter 4, verse number 4, the Bible says this, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is at enmity with God? He's asking this question. What is he saying? He's saying, Christian, don't you know that you can't live in the world and with God? Here's a call to the believer. Worship God with a pure heart. Worship God and God alone. 
If we are not to have a foot in the world and a, and a foot in, 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 in religion or Christianity, it is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians eleven two: for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband and that, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The responsibility of the believer is to worship God and God alone. Too many times we, we're living for this world and we're playing church. And there's a call. There's a call from James. There's a call from the Apostle Paul. Live a life pleasing to the Lord. Give yourself only to the Lord. This is what Israel did back in the Old Testament. They be, began to serve other gods and, and give themselves over to other gods and, and worship other gods. And God said, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Satan doesn't care who you worship as long as you don't worship God. In Revelation chapter 17 too, this woman is the one that has seduced the nations, look with me in verse number two again, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. That is a spiritual fornication. They are worshiping this woman. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. There's great joy in what this woman has to offer. This woman stands for false religion. So as we study chapter number 17, who is this woman? This woman stands for false religion. Babylon, we'll read here in Babylon as well. Babylon, as we read it here in chapter number 17, also st stands for false religion as well. Babylon goes way back in history. Babylon today, if we were to study it, it is Iraq. It's modern-day Iraq. And in, in Babylon would be the, the, uh, uh, where King Nebuchadnezzar ruled and reigned, his kingdom, that, that kingdom that we find in the book of Daniel, that, that image, that gold head that was the Babylonian Empire. It was a wonderful, uh, 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 enormous empire, a mighty empire of that day, that first world empire. And that is in modern day Baghdad in Iraq. He's not necessarily speaking of the physical place. What he's speaking of is the application that this woman is a woman that is a false, false religion. And Babylon stands for false religion. It, it goes way back. It's the cradle and the grave of all false religions. I've told you this in our study before. In Genesis chapter 10, verse number 11, we read of a man by the name of Nimrod. Nimrod means rebel. This man, Nimrod, is a type of the Antichrist that is to come. There, there's a, there's a, a, a question in Christianity, modern Christianity today. Let's get rid of the Old Testament. You can't understand the New Testament without understanding the Old Testament. The goal isn't to get rid of the Old Testament. I, I think we ought to study it even greater. We, we read of men like Nimrod. Nimrod is a, is a, is a type of the Antichrist that is to come. Nimrod was one that, that wanted all mankind to worship him. He hunted, he enslaved mankind, and he hunted mankind, just like the Antichrist is going to do. The Antichrist is going to enslave mankind, and when mankind resists him, he's going to hunt them down and kill them. We find it in chapter number 16 and 17. This is what the Antichrist is going to do. This is what 
this one world religion, this one world economy. This is what Nimrod wanted back in Genesis 10. He says, let's build a tower here, a tower that'll get us into the heavens. He wanted to make a name for himself. He wanted a one world government, a one world religion. Let's make a name for ourselves and be like God. In Daniel He uh, tells us in Daniel chapter five, verse number seven, Daniel is in Babylon. And throughout history, we find where Nimrod and we find find, uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, it was always enriched with demonic influences. Uh, Go with me, if you would, please. Daniel chapter five, an Old Testament. I want you to see what Nebuchadnezzar, who he dealt with and what he did in chapter number five of the book of Daniel. Look at the king cried aloud to bring with the astrologers. He's needing to know what's going on. And so he cries aloud, bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. Here the king here is needing some answers. And what does he turn to? This is what Babylon turns to. Soothsayers, astrologers, Chaldeans. He's turning to witches. He's turning to people, not that will worship God and find wisdom from God, but he's turning to wicked, demonic men that get their answers from Satan. This is the representation that we find here. This is why when we're studying through the book of Revelation and we hear the word Babylon, it's not necessarily talking about a modern-day Iraq. It's giving us this, this understanding, this type of religion that is always anti-God. This religion that is looking to Satan and demonic things for, for answers. It's always been that way since Nimrod in the very beginning of the Tower of Babel, now to the Babylonian Empire in Daniel chapter 5. He's always looking. The world is still haunted by the ghosts of Babylon. You say, what do you mean by that? The world is still interested in knowing what, what demonic spirits want instead of turning to the one true God. Satan is all for religion. He always has been. And Satan is doing everything he can to work toward this one world religion. This woman here in Revelation chapter 17, this great whore that the world fornicates himself for her, is speaking of this one world religion that's going to come. This one world religion. And during the tribulation... The world is going to be unified by the beast. The world is going to be unified by the beast and this one world religion. Look with me, if you would, please, in verse number four. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a gold cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. The false religion is going to have all the resources that it's ever going to need to fulfill satanic plans. What she has here is the same thing that Nebuchadnezzar said to 
his astrologers and to his soothsayers, if you give me the, give me the, the answer to this problem, I will give you this. It's worldly riches. It's worldly rewards given over to satanic influence. But this woman's mystery is unlocked here when the Bible links her to Babylon. So who is this woman that he is seeing here in chapter, the first few chapter, uh, verses of chapter 17? It's unlocked here when he says this is as this woman Babylon. She's a woman deeply involved with the apostate false religion. And from the beginning of time, Satan has been about false religion. The very first thing that Satan did when we see Satan in the Bible, the very first time he says to Eve, you eat this fruit and you will be like God. It's always about false religion. So we see the character of this woman. The character of this woman is like Babylon, a false religion. I want you to also see the children of this woman that we find in this passage of Scripture. The Bible says this, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon, the great mother, mother of harlots, an abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. The Bible says this is the mother of harlots. Her origin is in Babylon. And her origin in Babylon has given this birth to all false religions of the world. All false religions come through this. This is the origin of false religion. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It goes then to the Tower of Babel. It goes all throughout time, all the false religion. She has taught her daughters to prostitute themselves for false religion. And what are, the, what are some of the false religions? I, 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 let me name some today. This New Age religion, the New Age movement is false religion. Satanic worship is false religion. Mother Earth worship is false religion. I believe, we're told, we're told in the Bible that we're to care for the earth and to, to uh, 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 that's, that's what God's given us responsibility, but we are to worship the earth. When you hear things of Mother Earth, that is a false religion. There's no such thing as Mother Earth. There's God, the creator of the earth. There's no Mother Earth. These false religions that we have seen over the years is globalism. It's worshiping the earth. It's one in unity and one. Not to worship the God of creation, but to worship creation. Hinduism, Islam, the apostate Christianity, all of these false religions that are not sending people to an eternity with God, but sending people to an eternity without God. Anything that says that you can get to heaven whatever way you choose is a false religion. The Bible says this, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Any other religion that says anything else is a false religion from the pit of hell. And it represented by this woman, this great whore, 
that's causing mankind to worship her. And in the worshiping of this great whore, she is sending mankind to a devil's hell for all of eternity. These are some of the religions of this world. What is this new age movement all about? It's a combining of all the world's religions. Whenever you start to see this combining of things together, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't really matter as long as you're sincere. You can be sincerely wrong and still be wrong. In this new age movement, it's a combining of all the world's religions. One of the leaders of, of it said this, we honor the truth and beauty of all the world's religions, believing that each have a seed of God and a kernel of the spirit that unites us. Another said this, God reveals himself through many different men and many different things. No, God revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to be baptized and John the Baptist was to baptize Jesus, it was there and only there that God ever said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God is only, God has only come through Jesus Christ to this world, not through other men, not through other things. It's Jesus Christ in Christ alone. One said this, there's no distinction between the creator and creation. That sounds good, but that is false religion. That is pagan worship. Worship the sun, worship the stars, worship the moon, worship the trees, worship the mountains, worship the things of this world. No, God did not call us to worship his creation. He called us to worship him and him alone. But this false religion, this woman that we read of in chapter number 17, let's worship everything. It's all God. It's all uh, uh, worship. It's, it's, it's all together. There's a movement in our world today that I read. There's a, there's a move for a united religion. And it says this, we affirm that there is an irrevocable, unconditional norm for all areas of life, for all families and communities for races, for nations, and religions. There already exist ancient guidelines. Where are those ancient guidelines? They go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. They go all the way back to the Tower of Babel. There already exist ancient guidelines for human behavior which are found in the teachings of the religion of the world in which one, in, in which uh, can the condition for a sustainable world order. You know, the one religion is always looking for a one world order. You see this woman, we, so we see this woman, we see the, the character, the mysterious character. Who is she? She represents Babylon. She represents all false religions. We see her children. Who are her children? This woman has spawned many daughters, but all of them have prostituted themselves. All of them are the false religions of this world. Thirdly, I want you to see this in verse number six. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. I want you to see thirdly, this woman's murderous conduct, who she really is. Like I said, on the outside, she looks so beautiful, but on the inside in verse number six, the Bible says she has this conduct of a murder. Beauty on the outside, but inside 
It's wicked. False religion has always been a bloody thing. In, in this false religion, at this time, in Revelation chapter 17, you will bow to the beast or you will die. Hear me. Jesus Christ, he died so that mankind can, with their free will, trust him as their savior. There's nobody here today that can be forced to be saved. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is not something that someone can force. It's not something that someone can make you do. It's not somebody that somebody puts a, a, a gun to your head or a knife to your throat that you have to trust Jesus Christ or die. No, you could falsely trust him. Listen, by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, that's the only way one can be saved. It's not something can be forced upon you. But this false religion, this murderous woman wants to force all mankind, either believe in me or die. This is a forced conversion. Go with me to Revelation chapter 13, just a few pages back in verse number 15. Let's read of this. Revelation 13, verse number 15, the Bible says, and he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should be both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. During this time of great tribulation, those that refuse the mark of the beast on their right hand or on their forehead, those that refuse to bow to this image that is created, they will be killed. And as they are killed, the Bible says here in verse number six, this woman was drunken with the blood. She enjoyed, she loved to persecute and loved to kill those that would not submit to this one world religion. The Antichrist will be into forced conversions. Think about this world. The message that we preach is not, trust this or you're, we're going to kill you. That's the message that is going to be preached during the great tribulation. Believe in this mark, believe in this antichrist, believe in this image or die. The woman is drunk with the blood of these martyrs, the Bible tells us in verse number six. Fourthly, I want you to see this of this woman in verse number three. Let's look again. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman, a woman, she's sitting upon the scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Look with me in verse number seven. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst this marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her, which hath her seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into the perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he is come, he must continue a short space. Pretty easy to understand, isn't it? So what does that mean? Fourthly, I want you to look at this, the woman's beast. This beast. 
Who is this beast? This woman is false religion. It's Babylon. The, the beast, this beast is the Antichrist and his kingdom. The Antichrist is about one world government, one world rule. What we find coming into chapter number 17, we find this one world religion and this one world government coming together, unified. What we see is the ultimate alliance, if what you will, of church and state, of religion and government. It's forced religion and forced government. It's forced religion and a forced economy. It's, it's a globalism. It's we're going to believe one thing. We're going to worship one thing. We're all going to be in unison worshiping this beast. Verse number eight tells us this, the Antichrist is going to be catapult into power. Now let's, let's, let's look at this again. Verse number eight, because I, I want us to, there's a lot of, a lot of, confusion here. So the beast that thou sawest was and is not. What does that mean? It shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition, and that and, and um, that they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. What does that mean? Now, remember when we talked earlier about the, the uh, beast in Revelation chapter 13, the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to be killed. Look with, look with me. Let me show you Revelation 13, 3. And I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered at the beast. You taking Revelation chapter 13 to understand what he's saying in Revelation chapter 17. What is going to happen is this. He was and was not, yet is. What does that all mean? He's, he's, going, to, he's going to rise to power in the Antichrist. There's going to be a deadly blow to him. He's going to die or at least appear to die. Remember, I preached the message that the Antichrist, Satan wants to counterfeit Jesus Christ. Anything that Jesus does, Satan counterfeits. Jesus Christ died and rose again. So what does Satan want to do? He wants to counterfeit that with his Antichrist. It is going to be believed that the Antichrist, this man, is going to be fatally wounded. He was and then was not. He's going to be killed and then he's going to rise again. Yet is. So the Antichrist, he is going to rise to this place of prominent power after it has appeared that he has risen again from the dead. This great miracle that's going to take place, they're going to, the world is going to see this Antichrist, this ruler, he's going to, it seems like going to be risen from the dead. And when he does that, they're going to say, this is the one. That is, that is simply what John is describing here. Something is going to happen to this man, this Antichrist. He is going to appear to die, and then he's going to come back to life. In the world, this will cause all the world to marvel at him, and this will be what will cause the world to follow after this Antichrist. The Bible says this, that he came to deceive. Look then what happens. He is going to come, and whose name's uh, uh, in, in the middle of that, and he's going to, He's going to, and they will, they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundations of the world when they behold the beast that was 
and is not because he was killed, and yet is because he came back to life. They're going to believe this great lie. You mark in your margins, I won't go there for sake of time, but in 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 and 12, the Bible says that God is going to allow a great delusion to take place. If you're sitting here today and you say, you know what, I don't know if I believe all this, but okay, I'll just remember this. And and if this happens, if I'm left behind, I'll remember what's being said. No, this is what the Bible says. You have an opportunity to trust Christ as your Savior. You reject Christ now. Later on, you're going to believe this great delusion. You're going to believe this great lie. You're going to fall for this lie. Oh, if you're sitting here today and you are refusing the gospel, saying, you know what, I just don't know. I'm not sure. I'll wait and see what happens. I'm going to let you know this. You're going to wait too late. Because this one came to deceive. The Antichrist is not coming with truth. He's coming with great deception. Uh, Also, the Antichrist, this beast, is coming with great power. Look what he says in verse number nine. The Bible says, and he... And he is in, uh, and here is the mind which the which hath wisdom, and the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. This man is coming with great power. What is this city built on seven hills? It's Rome. This man is going to come. This is going to be the revised Roman Empire. Keep your eyes on the Middle East and keep your eyes of what's happening in Europe. This revised Roman Empire is going to come. The the Antichrist is going to come through this revised Roman Empire in this city that is built on seven hills. The power that this Antichrist has is that same power that that Roman Empire had. The Bible says in verse 10 and 11, and there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. When he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seventh and that goeth into perdition. You say, that is confusing. It is. Let me help us understand this. I want you to see the period in which he's going to come. When John wrote the book of Revelation, John here is describing seven world leaders Five, he says, are fallen. Yet one is. There were five Roman empires in John's day that had already died. Five five Roman emperors. The sixth one was ruling as John was writing this. Okay, so when the Bible says here there's five, The sixth one is the one that was writing this, as John was writing this. The seventh, the seventh Roman Empire, the seventh is going to be, he is going to come, he's going to die, and the seventh is also going to be the eighth. Here, the Antichrist, remember what I just said, he's going to rise, he's going to die, and he's going to come back to life, or that's the lie that's going to be told, and he's going to be the seventh and the eighth. He's going to be the seventh and die. He's going to rise, and he's going to be the eighth. These are what John is helping to understand. He's speaking of the revised Roman Empire. The final Caesar is yet to come. The final one, the seventh and the eighth, are going to be the same man. The seventh beast 
is the one who lives and dies and comes back as the eighth. This is the Antichrist. Verse 12 and verse number 13, the Bible says, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. I want you to see the people that are going to sit with the beast as he comes. These ten horns, remember what I've told you, horns represent power. These ten horns are ten kings with power. They are are puppet kings out of the revised Roman Empire. These ten kings will yield to the beast and to his leadership and lordship. They will reign for the beast, but true authority belongs to the Antichrist and him alone. We see in verse number 14, the Bible says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Oh, what a wonderful verse that is. But I want you to see the passion which he comes. This this Antichrist, this beast is going to come for one purpose and one purpose only. He's going to come to defy the Lamb. He will meet his demise, though, at Armageddon. He is going to come, and he He thinks, he still thinks, Satan still believes that there is one final time that he is going to defeat God. But Satan is foolish. Satan is a liar. Satan is the one that is deceived. If he believes that he has an opportunity to defeat God, he is deceived. Oh, I like what this verse says. He has come. He has come to defeat the lamb. He has come against the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. These 10 kings, the armies of this world, those that are just puppet kings to this Antichrist, they're going to believe in this lie. They're going to believe in this religion. They're going to believe in this economy. They're going to believe in this one world government. They're going to believe in this Antichrist, and they're going to take the armies of the world, and they truly believe that they're going to defeat the lamb, Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ is going to overcome. He has overcome because of the cross, and he will overcome in the future. Oh, my friend, not only is Jesus Christ overcome, look what he says here as well. And he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. We have overcome because we are with Jesus Christ. Oh, listen to me. We live in a world today where we think the church, we think the church is in a post-Christian society and we're going to fail. Oh, there's all kinds of lessons and all kinds of stories and all kinds of articles written about a post-Christian America, the demise of the church, the demise of the faithful, the demise of the called. But I want you to understand something today. We are not defeated this morning. I don't care what you're dealing with this morning. I don't care what Putin is doing this morning. I don't care what what North Korea decides to do, or what China decides to do. Jesus Christ has overcome. He is victorious. He is faithful. He is king. He is Lord. And those that have trusted him, those that are found with him, we will overcome as well. Because he's king. He's Lord. What does Revelation chapter number 17 tell us? Oh, this man comes with all the passion to deceive. But Jesus Christ has all that he needs. 
You know, church, if Jesus Christ has all that he needs in Revelation chapter 17, then he has all that you need today. He has all you need in your walk with him. He has all you need in your finances. He has all you need in your parenting. He has all you need in your marriage. He has all you need in your emotions. He has all you need. He is victorious. He is faithful. Remember I told you from the beginning of this lesson, we're not going to look at what little every little thing is and debate what a little every little thing is, where most of us are going to be wrong in the end anyways. We're going to look for Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is. And he is King of kings, and he is Lord of lords, and he is faithful, and he is true, and he is victorious. And I hope today that you can say that he is your Savior. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.